I said the Lord is good. If you believe, give me an amen. amen. All right, please, can we just rise up? Let's take our declaration so we can get into our study for this evening. We are confessing our faith that this is what we believe that is going to do in our lives. Are you ready? One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In our spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Please, before you sit down, can you greet two or three people beside you? Tell the person understanding is your portion today. Tell the person grace is your portion. Grace is your portion. Understanding is your portion. All right, in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, let's take our seats. All right. We'll be looking at the culture of faith, and I'm going to continue speaking on that subject today, the culture of faith. What I've been explaining is the fact that God's blessings for us, we have blessings in Christ Jesus. They are in the realm of the spirit. For them to flow into the physical realm, there must be a material, it must be a connection. Physical things must be put in place. There are things we do outwardly. Those things are not the foundations of blessings. They are the wires. They are the connections by which, by which the power generated in heaven by the Lord Jesus on our behalf, our blessing, the spiritual blessings, which are in heavenly places. They are the connections by which that power comes into physical manifestation. We have explained that if you are not careful, foundations are invisible, so people tend to copy the visible things and they miss out the foundation. And we're establishing again that the source of blessing is spiritual. It is the Lord thy God that has given you the power to get wealth. It is not your own ability. You have to remember that as Christians, we believe in that which is invisible. Not because we like to deceive ourselves, but because those things are real. They are real. Now, if we have blessings in the realm of the spirit, how would they come into the physical manifestation? I explained that God expects us to create that channel. And those channels are the things we call the precepts of God. They are the ways we behave. Last, I gave an example the other time, which is very, very instructive. And I think I should go over it again. A man may come from a family that literally they have a curse upon them. And we're saying that curses occur. We're not because we, sometimes when I talk the way I do, people think I'm trying to imply that there's nothing like curses. When I say you are not cursed, I'm only saying that if you're a Christian, you have been delivered by the blood of Jesus. That's what I keep saying. The things I say, I say to believers. If you have been delivered by the blood of Jesus, indeed, all things have passed away. So, indeed, some people may be, as a family, they may be under a curse. It's true. We gave an example last time that maybe everybody has marital instability. Now, you see a Christian comes out from amongst them. He still seems to be having it. Why? Is it because he's not delivered? We said, no, actually, he's delivered. Don't forget, John the Baptist took a man who was sick, baptized him. The next five years, the fellow did not get well. He was still going to the pool of Siloam and sitting down there, hoping to jump into the water and be cleansed. Is it that his sins were not forgiven? His sins were forgiven because the Bible tells us that John came with a baptism of repentance 
for the forgiveness of sins. So their sins were forgiven. There are people that Jesus will look at. You just look at them. Your sins have been forgiven you. They have not talked to him. They have not said anything to him. Why did he say things like that? I'll tell you. It's because they have had encounters with John the Baptist. Now, back to the issue I was saying. So the person was with John the Baptist, was baptized, and for years he's not yet healed. It's not because his sins are not forgiven. It's because Jesus needs to come to him this time around and do something. I call it the principle of the third day. We prepare for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, we can apply that to, our, to that man's situation. He has been cleansed by the Lord Jesus. He has been forgiven. But why is his sickness not removed? Why is the problem of um, curses in the family not manifestly removed from his life? It is because there is something else that he needs to do. Now, the, because I said it last time, I'm just trying to review now. Because that was working in his life, used certain principles to keep itself in activity. Now, even if though, even though you remove that power of that curse, if that man continues doing what the other people are doing, he will not be blessed. His blessing will not manifest. Are you getting my point? Now, because he has been redeemed, he has the ability. Now, listen to this. Because he has been redeemed, he has the ability to understand what is true. Because he has been redeemed, the spiritual forces that compel the other people to do what is wrong. Are you getting me? He is not under the influence anymore. So if you tell him the truth, he can resist that temptation. I give the example that he may say that maybe marital breakdown, marital breakdown. If you go and check it, are you getting me? You will find out that there is a way those women behave. There is a way those men probably behave. You understand? And if the Christian continues behaving like that, they will reap the same result. Now, the question therefore is that, so what is the advantage of the blessing? Do you understand? What's the advantage that his cause has been removed? A number of things. Number one, he can walk away. The other people are under bondage. They may say, I will love my wife, but they can't. Do you get my point? The woman may say, I will honor and be subject to my husband, but she can't. Why? There is what is called the law of sin and death. It's working in her members. There is what is called being, uh, the Paul said like this, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. That's what Paul says. He says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. It means, therefore, there are people that sin has dominion over them. So, a man who has been blessed, a woman who has been redeemed by Christ Jesus, the thing doesn't have dominion. Dominion. Notice the word dominion. Dominion is that the sin decides what you do. The sin decides what you don't do. Now, it doesn't mean Christians cannot fall for temptation, but it doesn't have dominion over them. But this, as a believer, I can make up my mind and walk away from sin. The unbeliever cannot. Because sin has power. Satan has that kind of power of temptation. He will compel the fellow. But a believer in Christ, just following the Lord Jesus, he can walk away. That's the advantage. Those are the pillars we're talking about. Those outward things, if the fellow does not change them, he will not see the manifestation of the blessing that God has placed in his life. He will not see them. And that's why we began to teach you. So we need both sides. Now, it's very important to understand it. We don't need only the, of course, the physical one alone doesn't work. That's what most people teach. That's what most people teach. Like I said, you buy books on how to make money, how to be rich in life. They're only talking about the physical things. They don't understand this foundation. There are people that did things when they were young, when they were, you know, younger people, and God said, for that reason, I will bless this man. You know, I had a joke the other day, a very funny joke, and I don't know what I apply it here, but just, it just struck me, I remembered it. There's a one little boy, his father beat him. Now, listen to this joke. It really happened. It's not a joke. It really happened. So the little boy, his father beat him. So he ran away, you understand, now some distance and stood. Maybe like, maybe something between 10 or early teens. So he stood and looked at his father. Say, you are beating me now because you are bigger than me. 
He said, when I grow up and I'm bigger than you, I will beat you. Now, that's not the gist. The gist is that the other boys on the streets heard it. They pounced on him and almost killed him. Now, are you getting my point? His friends, the boys a little older than him, they just overheard him. What did you say? They now pounced on him and started beating him. His father was looking at them. That they beat the boy. He was wondering what happened. <laughs> so the brother who told me the story, I said, that's how people are blessed. So those are boys, they've just bought a blessing. He said, yes, sir, that God will bless them for that work. <laughs> that, it didn't, it, are you getting my point? They just saw a man, a young boy, dishonor his father. And they couldn't take it. I said, sometimes people in life, later in life, eh, that's how God is doing something for them. People will not know. They're not learning the keys by which they are blessed. The thing that's really pushing their blessing, you don't know when they did it. Are you getting my point here? Very important. So these spiritual things are the foundational things. But people never know. They don't know the real reason why something is happening physically. But they have the physical connections. But what we're establishing in this series as Christians is that even though we have our faith, very important to understand this, even though we have our faith, practicing the culture of faith is necessary for the full release of the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, which is taught in heaven. Let me say that again. Even though we have believed, even though our blessings are in heaven, that is, they are real, they are tangible, but for them to become physically manifested, we must learn to practice the culture of faith. There are things that faith dictates in this situation. There's what the Bible calls the perfection of faith. That's what I was talking about. Uh, James is saying, like, their works cooperating with their faith. By that, their faith became what? Perfected. What was he trying to say? The faith, yes, is real. But if the works did not cooperate, the faith is not effective. And that's what we're doing in this series. To explain to believers, certain things are necessary. Let me say it again. Don't let anybody sit down and be preaching a gospel to you that what you do does not matter. Of course it matters. Get the balance is what is important. People say salvation is by faith and by faith alone. And I can say the faith is not genuine unless it's producing works. That's what James said. And I'm teaching again today that without the works, the faith is ineffective. So, the fullness of those blessings to be released, we need to learn the culture of faith. We need, when I say culture now, there are things that are in keeping with the faith we are professing. And we'll be looking at that. Alright? I'm, I'm trying to explain what we are doing again and again. We're not thinking that it's our works that's producing things in our lives. Just take that marriage as an example. There is no trick for getting a good, for having a good marriage. Trick, trick. It's a blessing of God. And I remember the story of, um, two ministers, but let me tell the one I, I, I heard clearly from his mouth. Novahez. Novahez did not sin. He didn't do anything. He was a Christian. His wife was a Christian. I, I think, I don't know. These days, uh, he don't know who's a Christian again. But it, one day, the man felt that God called him to ministry. Announced to his wife that he was going to start preaching. So his wife heard him. She did not argue. She went in, packed her things, came out. She had a briefcase in her hand and told him straight, she does not want to be a pastor's wife. They did not fight. They did not quarrel. They didn't have money troubles. She told him straight, you want to answer the call to ministry? I did not marry a pastor. 
What? You know, <laughs> there is a book I saw many years ago. 500 questions to ask before you say I do. Listen, eh? You can sit down there and be asking questions. I don't, I'm not teaching, I will teach on marriage briefly along the line, how to have a happy marriage, alright? Like I said, there's no how to, as in how to. Let's just learn how to do what is right. When I saw the book, 500, uh, 500 questions to ask before you say I do. I said, don't worry. By the time you finish asking the question, all the girls will have finished. And if you are the woman planning to ask me a question, I will ask you, did I come to your house to look for a job? <laughs> so you are conducting an interview. By the time you get to the 15th question, I'm tired. You will realize that Joseph didn't ask anybody any question. They told him, you do. She did. Oh yeah, two of you. <laughs> they didn't even ask anybody, do you? You do? She did. What well, that is? That is the end of it. Each question did, uh, um, did uh, what's the name of Abraham's son again? Isaac. Isaac. What question did he ask? Nothing. His father said, look, oh, you go and get a girl for this guy. They only told him where to go. That one went and prayed. They asked the girl. The only question they asked the girl is, a few questions. One, who's your father? That is, can I come to your house? The girl thought she was entertaining a stranger. Then they discussed behind her back and said, will you go? That was the only question. And she said, I will. The only question David, uh, um, Isaac asked, was no, no, there was no question. She was the one that ever asked the question and said, is that my Lord? They said, yes. She covered herself. The guy said, I assume, just said, Eliezer, Nashi. <laughs> Eliezer said, yes. So thank you very much. All correct. They did the ceremony behind his back. Forget 750 questions to ask before you say you do. By the time you finish asking it, everybody will have finished. In fact, you will never finish asking it. There's no trick. That's what I'm going to make. There's no trick. We're just learning what is right to do. Without those things that are right, the blessing, because the truth is that what we are looking for is a blessing from God. That's what we're just saying. We do what is right and trust God for the blessing to flow. So what we are doing every day is arranging our lives properly. That's what we are doing every day, arranging our lives properly. Every day, we are arranging our lives properly. There are things, there are behaviors that are in keeping with faith. There are times people tell you they believe, the way they are behaving will show you they don't believe anything. They are lying. Look at the area of money. Anybody saying I'm believing God for money, one thing characterizes him is generosity. Anybody saying I'm giving so I can receive, he doesn't have faith. He's playing kalu kalu. You know what they call kalu kalu? He's playing games. Those who really believe, who trust God for money, who trust God for their destiny, who trust God for their future, for financial security, how do you know them? You see they are generous, Paul said. They always do good works. They are always ready to share. That's how you know them. And let me say something about faith. You can think you have faith when you don't have it. And that's a lot of people who are shouting, once saved, always saved. That's what pains me for them. There are churches I look at and I say, most of these boys don't believe anything. They are just church people. Is how do you know? Just look at their lives. Just look at their, the, the, the way they behave. Look at the look at their morality. They are the ones that will not. They keep on arguing with you that salvation is by faith and by faith alone. What they are trying to say is that they don't want to admit. Okay, 
that what they are doing is wrong. So they keep on sitting, sitting down there. Salvation is by faith, is by faith alone. I want to tell them, you don't believe. Salvation is by faith, I know, but you don't believe. You don't believe. If you did, James said, it will show. So how do you, he said, show me your faith using the works. He said, the only way you can show faith is what? To the works. So let's continue looking at that. That's what we've been looking at. Last time, we talked about the culture of excellence and walking in divine wisdom. We explained that Christians walk in divine wisdom. They have a culture of excellence. And when I explain that, I'm trying not to preach that message again. Any work we do, our faith reflects in the quality and the integrity with which we do our work. Nebuchadnezzar did not care about the God of Daniel at the beginning. He did not care about the God of Mishael. The God of Azariah and the God of uh, Ananiah, they were their, they was their problem. It didn't concern him. It did not concern him. What mattered to him was that I gave you a test. Did you do well? You are getting my point. I gave you a test. How well did you do? If your faith is real, use it to pass my test. If your faith is real, use it to show me how well you can do things. It is out of order for somebody to be professing faith. He's a businessman. He's in the market. He has an office. He's a lawyer. He's a doctor. She's a housewife. She's a teacher. She's an astronaut. Whatever it is he or she might be. The first reason you will know the fellow has faith is not by fellow coming to shout, hey, hey, I believe. Many people shout they believe. The average person will be asking questions like, why are you like this? What I mean is that, listen, the excellence with which you do your work. If you go and check it, nobody cared about the God of Daniel until they are looking for what to use to trap him. You are getting my point. Daniel was known that when you check him, and that's what we are going on into again today. Now, I said last time I'm going to continue talking about that extraordinary spirit that he had. Daniel was known by the excellence, the, the integrity. If I will read a number of scriptures about Daniel in a moment. Just remind us of some things that we said. Our faith must be shown by the quality of our work. The glory of God we'll see later as we go on again today is seen in the faces of people. Christians sometimes want, want to walk around with, with um, a halo around their heads. You want to shake somebody's hand and it will tremble. Don't worry about it. That's not what you need. That glory should manifest in when you get to work. That glory will manifest in how well you do your work. That glory will manifest in the wisdom that God will give you to solve difficult problems. And I want us to be it in mind as Christians. That glory will show in us being exemplary. will be the example for everybody else to follow at work. I live in a neighborhood. That glory will show. They say everybody pay neighborhood their fees. You shouldn't be the last to pay. You should be the first to pay. Yeah, it gets to that. Ah, you know, let's talk Christianity. Let's stop joking. Let's talk about what? Christianity. Every house pay 2,000 naira. The Christians will be the first to pay. That's what God expects. Not that when you get to their house, they start speaking in tongues. And everybody knows them, they are Christians only because of the noise they make. 
Sometimes Christians are very, they behave very, no, they are very insensitive. You want to do night videos, you bring loudspeakers, you bring drums to a neighborhood where you are the only members of the church. Then because you go to church, nobody will sleep again. Then when they call NSEPA to remove your speakers, you say they are persecuting the gospel. I see somebody told you that the way by which you know you are a believer is how much you disturb our souls in the neighborhood. That is not Christianity. If they are saying the neighborhood is not clean, the street is not clean, every house, make sure you are clean. Our houses should be the cleanest. That's Christianity. Nobody cares whether you are praying inside there or you are not praying inside there. Your prayer is your problem. I hope you are getting my point. Your prayer is your problem. What concerns everybody else is, a go- is that the gutter in front of your house is not the one that is blocked. And guess what? That is where God wants you to show the example. Let me tell you how to discredit yourself as a believer. Let them find you bypassing EDC meter. Stop preaching. There's no need. You're a thief. How would you like for somebody to finish robbing? Then put the robbery money in the pocket and come to your door. We came to preach to you the gospel of Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Say, they will tell you, no, Jesus don't pack. I don't know how many of you have seen the joke. Say, don't pack. Not day here again. Ever since he started stealing, Jesus stopped living around here. Very important we bear these things in mind. God cannot bless disobedience. Even though we are blessed in the heavenly places, if we have a lifestyle of disobeying his precepts, the blessing can come forth. He cannot bless wrong practices. We need both the blessing in heaven and the right practices on the earth for this blessing to manifest materially. And let me say something again. God has his methods. What did I say? He has his methods. I was listening to a message the other day. Okay, I think it was the one I was telling you about last time. Pastor um, Chintok Shaku was one preaching. And he said, you read your Bible, you find out, look, you don't need to get into agreements or join calls or, you know, make any, make any interesting arrangement in politics to be lifted. When God wants to lift a Christian, he knows how to do it. He creates a problem that they are the only ones that can solve. Don't worry. He knows how to do it. If God decides to appoint you head of state in four years' time, don't worry. He knows how to do it. That's why no matter what you do in life, your Christian integrity, your faith must be kept intact. Don't compromise it for anybody. Don't compromise. You know, let me say something to you. Don't let anybody fool you that you need this so that we can now use it to preach the gospel. I heard somebody preaching once. I don't know what I was there. It was reported to me. Say, what Christians need to do is to gather their resources together and sponsor their own gubernatorial candidate or presidential candidate. Then when the person is in power, you now go to the person and say, this contract is our own. That's how the church will be empowered. We will not have money to preach the gospel. That is the counsel of Satan. You cannot use worldly wisdom to promote righteousness. You can't. You cannot use worldly wisdom to promote righteousness. I've heard pastors say, they say we're always looking for money. After a while, we're always looking for money. It's not to do the work of God. You have turned the gospel upside down. So when I watch Christian TV, I'm embarrassed. Thank God it's only we Christians are supposed to be watching it anyway. Because it can be embarrassing. Because the gospel, we say our God is a supplier. You saying it, you don't believe it. If you believe, you won't be preaching like this. I saw a joke a few days ago. 
Somebody said, my friend wrote a book, How to Make Money. He needs money to print it. Somebody said, please tell him to read the book. <laughs> Listen, the way we preach sometimes is obvious. We preachers, when we are talking, the way we are sweating and looking for money. The people that we want them to give, we are telling them now, don't worry, God will supply. <laughs> Pastor, if you believe, why are you worried? Obviously, I can see worry in your face. There are things I tell Christians, eh? when I talk, they, 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 look, the unbelievers, they don't even realize they are watching you. They don't realize it, but they are watching you. Even they don't realize they are watching you. When they all sit down, the way you are talking about government, these are the times you show the evidence of your Christianity. When salaries are delayed, that's when you show the evidence of your Christianity. Don't worry, you won't be popular. But they will soon know. Is that, I told you something happened you know, over the last few years. That a few years ago. My mother passed a comment. This was years ago. She passed a comment. She said, ha! You have a way of putting somebody's mind at rest. Now when she said it, she was recollecting things that happened 15 years before. 20 years before. She reminded me of when I was going for NYSE. She said, I was so worried. So you just went in, picked your bag, and you left. He said, ha, you have a... Now, why am I talking this story? That time, I looked like the odd one. Are you getting my point? I'm the one that wouldn't complain. They flung me to Taraba State. She had never heard of Taraba State. When I say she had never heard, that's not a joke. My mother did not know there was a state in Nigeria called Taraba. Why? It had just been created. It was a new state where the first set of coppers that took call-up letter and they had printed on it Taraba. All the other coppers that went before us went to Gongola State. She said, Taraba, what is that one? Listen, she, she, like almost 20 years later, she said she remembered that day. The normal person will have joined. Eh, okay, who do you know? Eh, we're waiting for your father to come. Eh, he has a particular friend. Story, story, story. As they are talking about me, I don't pack my bag. What am I going to say? God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. In your life, there are odd things you will do now. Is a testimony for other people. You will look odd. I wrote a small article today. I'll share with my brethren. I said, the man walking by faith is not the one that walks by impulse. Let me teach along that line here before anyway. It's not the fellow who just, you know, they say we're walking by the spirit. So what are you doing? I don't know. I'm just walking by faith. That's not the way. Look, if what you are doing is foolish to you, it's not faith. It's foolish. It's only the person observing from outside that will think the person walking by faith is foolish. But the person walking by faith, to him or her, what I'm doing makes sense. It makes sense. Don't ever forget that thing. But the sense in it is that the word of God is where I derive the sense from. For example, I have only 5,000 naira. They said, keep this one till next month so you will be able to eat. He said, no, Jesus said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, you see, they said, no, the principle of business, of, uh, of uh, financial security is save 20%. He said, this one, if I save 20%, I will die, you know, faster. The money, I told you when I was a, when I was in Lagos those days, one young man came to me. 
Say so I should be giving him 500 naira every month. Now, it doesn't look big. Now, that time, it was a tithe of my income. Yeah, it was about a tithe. My salary was about 5,500 naira a month. 6,000. So, that 500 naira was paying tithes to his church. I said, what would I get? He says, health, he said uh, uh, what do you call it? This death, um, life insurance. I said, don't worry, I'm not going to die. He said, at the end of 15 years, if you don't die... <laughs> Which I told him I wasn't going to die. And that was 20 something years ago. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> You're getting my point. We'll give you, I think he said 150,000 naira or something. I can't remember. Forgot it was 100,000. Now, it's, it makes sense now when I'm saying it. Because 100,000 naira today is not so heavy. But that time, I told you my salary anymore was about 6,000. So it was going to give me more than my whole year's earning. About a year and a half. But I told him, speaking by faith, I said, I should take from my lien today so that you can pay me back in my abundance tomorrow. So how does that make sense to you? I said, by the time you'll be giving me the 150,000 naira, it wouldn't make any meaning. Is there a hundred he promised? A hundred or there about? So that was the simple, listen, why didn't I do life insurance? Not because I had too much faith. I just had too much sense. Are you getting my point? That is the way by which I was living was based on the understanding I had. Because he had said that time that I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. So I knew it was coming. So it didn't make sense. If, if you said be giving us 500 dollars so we can help the poor, I could give you. If they give us $1,000 every month of your $6,000 so we can use to preach the gospel, oh, most gladly. But so that you can give me back as $100,000 in 15 years' time, a big joke. What am I going to explain? Our faith affects the way we behave in our neighborhood, in our offices. There is a reason why you never hear me settle down and reel any insult or abuses on the head of state. I did not vote for him. But my faith says I can't. My faith says I can't. Don't let us ever forget it. Like when the Bible says that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be exalted above all the hills, that it will come to pass, that people will come and say, let us go to the mountain of the house of the Lord to go and learn his ways. Are you getting my point? Why would they say that? I'll tell you, it's because they have observed the people of God walking in his ways. How else would they know his ways if they didn't see it in the lives of his people? Your faith must reflect in your neighborhood in how you deal with your wife, how you deal with your husband, how you deal with your business partners. People you are doing business with, in fact, that's number one of the major places. One of my brothers is a businessman in Abuja. He says something once that when he says that, I won't mention the name, there are some of our big pastors in Nigeria, heavy pastors. There's James on the right. He's not James and John. And John on the left. He's looking at them. These are the two people sitting on the side of some of our big pastors. He told me he'll be looking at them. And he'll say, Muslims are better than the two of you. Because he has done business with them. They don't pay their bills. 
Yet, one of the reasons why they sit on the left and the right of the big man of God is that they are heavy offering givers. I know my, bre- my, my brothers, a lot of times, you can't sit in front unless your financial flow can carry you there. Yet, at the point in time, I told him, him that he finds it easier to do business with Muslims, that their allergies won't cheat him, that those who have given him a headache in his work are his Christian brothers, who he can't drag to court. Like I tell my wife, I said, if your wife, when my wife and I are discussing, I said, if your friend is doing business, you should be the one that will not give him trouble. You should be the one that won't give him trouble. You should be the one to ensure that he doesn't have to think about to recover his money. You shouldn't, you shouldn't put him in a place where you have been having conflict. And whether I should sue you or not sue you. That's wickedness. To put your friend in that kind of situation is wickedness. It's wickedness. This is just beyond owing. You are straining a relationship. You should be careful. Don't say he's my friend, you will understand. Don't say that. Don't demand of him to understand. Go to him and say, do you want to understand? Lay things out before him. And let him know whether he should, he, he should understand or not understand. Don't demand of him that he's my friend. He should understand. No. He's your friend. You shouldn't put your relationship in distress. If he's your enemy, he can sue you. But he's your friend, he can't sue you. But you know what we do? We turn it the other way around. Listen, our faith is not in how we pray and shout loud. I told you, when I was in school, I, I, by the time I was living in university, I didn't like spiritual people. If I talk to you three times, the Lord told me I stopped talking to you. Because I know you are not thinking. Even I you, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, I just stopped talking to you. Look, in case you don't know, I know half of the times you are lying anyway. The other, the other half of the time you are confused. Yes. Sorry. Because I saw too many spiritual people that did not affect their normal day activities. It's only when they are doing shmo, 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 you know they are spiritual. Our faith reflects the glory of God in our everyday walk. That is the culture of Christianity that we are looking at. Daniel, we're looking at him. Daniel was not known for prayer, first of all. Let's just go to the Daniel, read our Daniel. I'm going to read chapter 5 and chapter 6. We all know the story, so we will not relate, uh, relate the story again, but this is a testimony of um, Nebuchadnezzar's wife, the mother of the reigning king that time, about Daniel, when we were looking for who will read the handwriting on the wall. He said in verse 11, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the, in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, chaldeans, and diviners. He said this was because an extraordinary spirit, which is my topic for today, I'm just introducing it, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas, and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now, quickly flip down to chapter 6. That kingdom left. A new one came and Darius was ruling. And Darius decided to elevate one day 
Daniel to the highest position apart from himself. That is just like Joseph was appointed by Pharaoh as prime minister. Daniel was going to be above, he was going to be either prime minister or what we call chief of staff, whatever. Now, why was it? It was because he was initially appointed as one of the three commissioners, they call them. Amongst, I mean, to whom 120 satraps or divisional rulers were going to be reporting. He said, then, verse 3, Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And that's why the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. You can see that. Now, then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find, now this is the faith of Daniel speaking. They could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption in as much as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Did you see that? That is the testimony of Daniel. Now I want to pick it up from there. Like I said, the first thing about Daniel was not that he was a religious man. It was that his books were straight, his work was good. What I want to explain today is a particular phrase or expression that was used in both situations. First, when the Nebuchadnezzar's mother was speaking, and here. And that's the fact that Daniel had an extraordinary spirit. The things we do is what shows the kind of spirit that we have. Now, I want us to bear that in mind. The things we do are the things that show the kind of spirit that we have. And why Daniel was so excellent was because in his heart, he had an extraordinary spirit. Daniel didn't have the kind of spirit that the people around him had. And that is one thing we Christians must bear in mind. What is the meaning of the word spirit? That is where our problem usually arises as believers. One of the things I've noticed is that Christians, we over-spiritualize simple things. Let me say it again. Many times we believers, we over-spiritualize simple terminologies. Let me give you an example. The other day I was discussing with my brethren. We're talking about the chastisement or chastening of the Lord. Does God chastise his children? The Bible makes it clear to us, being a good father, he must do that. He chastises. So the question was, that how does he do it? It started by somebody saying that sometimes we fail in life is the chastening of the Lord. People are saying that God, some people said God will not chastise his, his children with sickness or with failure. I said, so how does he do it? You know what they said? He will chasten you with the word. So I said, does that have a meaning? From what I know, that has no meaning. Now that's what I'm talking about, over-spiritualizing simple things. The word chastise, a modern word, you, you never get to a school and say, today we are going to chastise whoever makes noise in this class. Do they say that? What do they say? Punish or flog. The word chastise simply is the old English for flogging. 
It's the old English for punishment. But Christians, because we don't want to accept it, that God will punish his children. I'm writing, I've started in my mind, I'll start it this weekend. I want to write an article on the true nature of God. We have wrongly described him. I know I've went into this. This is just a small side talk. I'll get back to it. We describe God as, you know, modern day, we describe God as a nice guy who does not hurt a fly. Have you heard things like, one of my brothers said that people will be ascribing to God what the, what the devil does. I said, what does the devil do that God does not do? Apart from tempt and lie. The devil is the one that kills. I said, who killed everybody apart from Noah? Was it the devil? So you paint God like, you know, God is so kind, doesn't hurt anybody. You know, I, I, this, during the night, I was listening to a message, I slept off with it. So when I woke up in the morning, it was playing a particular critical part. And the preacher said that, think about it, that Jesus shows up. People were running away from earthquake, ran back to the earthquake, say, earthquake, fall on us. That when Jesus shows up and is angry, it is safer to face, to face a falling rock than to face him. So people went and said, rock, please. Fall on us. We don't want to see the face of this angry Jesus. No. You know, you know the problem? We don't balance it. You know, we say God is love. You know, we talk about that. I was listening to David Paulson and he explained. He counted the number of times in the Bible that the word love was used for God. That is very rare. There are only few that the whole of the book of Acts. You know, people say that you preach love. People will believe. He said the whole of the book of Acts. The apostles did not preach God as love once. Yet they changed the world. I realized that Paul said he preached righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. That was all Paul preached. Righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. The word salvation doesn't mean to be loved. It means to be delivered from trouble. So they used to say, what must we do to be saved? Those men did not preach what we preach now. You know, there are times you look at it and say, what? Did I read my Bible well? Now, what I'm going to say is that Christians sometimes over-spiritualize things. How to go to my brain, they say that, no, chastening is the word. I've heard it before. It's not new to them. I heard it from, let me not mention names. Christians like to, oh, they like to over-spiritualize things. To chasten means to punish. Kneel down there, put up your two hands. To chasten means to put a cane to the back. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul explained it clearly. But I'm not talking about that. Is that unnecessary over-spiritualization that I'm talking about? When the Bible says, let's read down Romans chapter 8. I'm talking about the extraordinary spirit of Daniel. Now, I, want to, you know, I, I, I just took that side talking to over-spiritualization. Now, let's just read from verse... Um, Verse 9. I'm going to verse 14. I just back up to verse 9. It says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive, or the spirit, this is my understanding, the spirit will give it life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead 
will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now please notice verse 10, if Christ is in you. Let's go to verse 12 now. He says, so then brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. I'm going to stop in verse 14 there. Now I want you to understand something here. You know, we're talking about Daniel's extraordinary spirit. Please again, let me recommend this book that I wrote since it was last year or the year before. Guided by the Spirit. It came out last year. Please go and read Guided by the Spirit. Please. What I want to explain, I took time to explain it in that book, Guided by the Spirit. And if you are listening to this, where do I find it? Just go to our website. It's available there to download for free, PDF. Read it on your devices. Now, I need to explain the meaning of the word spirit. That's what I was talking about. As many as are led by the spirit. Sometimes Christians over-spiritualize a simple term. So by the time we now start looking at the scriptures, you start wondering how the people that Paul wrote to understood him. People said, how are you led by the Spirit? It's as you are going, your Spirit talks to you. Why are you wearing blue? So many men are wearing blue today. Thank God I'm not wearing uh See, they're wearing blue. There are three blue men on this single row. Why? Your Spirit told you. There will be two other men on your road today. They'll be wearing blue. Join them in the uniform. You ask a Christian, why are you wearing blue? Say, my Spirit said wear blue. I've heard all kinds of things. My spirit said. And they said the ability to hear your spirit is a sign of maturity. Please, I don't have time to go into details or trying to prove it to you. Go and read my book, Guided by the Spirit. What it simply means is this. If you see here, there are people who are living according to the flesh. Their flesh doesn't talk to them. It's just the impulse. Are you getting my point? It doesn't, it's not as if I woke up in the morning. My flesh said, today thou shalt steal. So why are you taking that guy's stuff? My flesh said, today is the day of stealing. Today, the flesh said, <clears throat> maybe I woke up in the morning and said, my flesh said, thou shalt commit adultery. So why are you chasing women today? It's not me. It's the flesh. Does it happen like that? No. I just see the money and I think I like it. I need it. And I say, somebody else's money said, don't tell him I took it. I take it, disregarding the fact that he will be in distress when I take his money. And I go and spend his money. That is what is called working according to the flesh. The flesh doesn't talk to me. It just propels me. There is nothing like, eh, banking, today is the day of anger. No. I'm just going. Somebody just annoys me. I just down, jump down from my car. I start punching him. He punches me. I say, eh, after jamming my car, you punch me. I punch him back. Then after I've cooled, I say, what did I do just now? I just fought in Obete. Are you getting my point? <laughs> it is not. My flesh didn't have to talk to me. Child of God, today you good. No. Circumstance just make me react. And that reaction is what we call what? Flesh. 
Now, when Paul was speaking, the opposite is what he called spirit. And there are different kinds of spirits. There are different kinds of spirits. Now, there is a spirit of God. When the spirit of God is in you, this is what it does. You are going on the road, you see money, and it's not your own. You check the bag. Ah, this bag has $5,000 in Nigeria. You don't look to the left and the right and say, who will see me take it? No. First in your mind, ah, the owner of this bag must be in distress. You know, last time we were here, a number of us at the end of Bible study, we were just talking about banking, you know, we're talking with uh, Apostle's wife. She was telling us stories. A man was overpaid mistakenly by 500,000 naira. Maybe the cashier thought he was counting 200 bundles, whatever it is. The teller overpaid him by 500,000. To get him, of course, at the end of the day, the man didn't balance. He was looking for his money. How can I be shocked by 500,000? So he reported to his colleagues, so they pulled, he said, maybe you overpaid somebody. So they pulled the CCTV recordings and went through his transaction for it. They just watched on the video. So they counted the bundles he gave to that particular man and found out that that's the person he gave the money to. They called the man. The man refused to bring the money. It became fight. You know, after using all kinds of methods, begging, maybe threatening, everything, he finally brought the money and he was still shot by almost 100,000 naira. Now, you see where I'm going. Why I told the story? That is flesh. You know why? Because he just feels that, ah, they won't know. Say, so I already started spending the money. Somebody else's money. You see why I'm talking about it? One day, I wasn't there to call, collect money. This was years ago. This day we hardly deal with cash. It was long ago. Okay, a friend of mine, you know, I used to help him do some stuff. So I needed a lot of money. He told me to help me collect. So I went to the bank, picked up the money. I called somebody there. My wife used to work in the bank, you know, so her friends are still there. So I had called one of them, please help prepare this amount. My husband will be coming. So when I got there, the lady, senior person there, I think almost like their manager, but she went out of her way, made sure that I was well treated and gave me the money in the bank, and I left, went to go and help my friend buy Forex, you know. So it was when the Forex man was counting, because me, I just assumed that, I can't remember, maybe, hey, I just assumed it's complete, I handed it to the guy who I was buying U.S. dollars from. So he was just, this was years ago, he was counting, it was in that process to find out and a whole extra bundle was inside. Now, I didn't have time to go back to the bank. Now, you see why I'm telling the story. Because my wife used to work in the bank, I knew that whichever teller handled that transaction, we're not close today. You see, in my good, 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 quote, good mind, all right, I could take the money back. In fact, I was planning to take it back the following day because, you know, there are times that it's not convenient. You are going somewhere else. You have other things to do. The bank is far away. Where I am is far. But because in my mind, I know the way banking works because my wife has worked there before. I knew that whoever did this, dispense this money today, won't know I'm the one he or she gave it to. So the fellow will be in distress. The reason why I called my wife and they called them that the money is with me. It wasn't because I wanted to clear it. Of course, I was going to return it anyway. But I'm trying to tell you the urgency in my heart was, please, call your friend. Tell her, you should tell the teller that got that money out for her, for me, that I was overpaid with a whole bundle. Why? So the fellow can rest. That please... I will be back tomorrow. Today is out of it. You know, today is just not coming back. Look, 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 look. So let the guy balance one way or the other. Tomorrow morning, I will bring their money back. Why am I telling you the story? The story, you see, what was in my heart? Distress for the man who will be in distress 
You know, I couldn't even say, don't worry, I'll take it back tomorrow. No. I had to get the information back to them immediately. Why? Because I love my neighbor as myself. My wife has told me stories before. She's finishing, she's finishing work, trying to balance her books. And all that is missing is 2,000 naira. And she keeps thinking. She'll calculate again. Count, 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 count the bundle, do everything. Calculate. Check on her, tell us for the day. Then finally I say, oh, I remember. Say, so, oh, that is, she has been there for one hour looking for the 2,000 naira. So I've, I've had that experience. So I couldn't let somebody go home wondering yet another man who I is my point. Who knew they begged him? Said no, it was not him. It was when they used it, they showed the evidence. Now, why did I do what I did? Which was I believe that you would do also because you're a child of God. Simply because you have love for your neighbor. You have love for your brother. That is what the Bible calls the spirit of Christ. It is not that let me pray whether I should return it. You are a thief if you pray that prayer. You are a thief if that is a prayer point. Now, are you getting my point? Should I, let me pray, Father. I mean, somebody told me, let me not mention names. Somebody told me that they were fighting on, on, on uh, what do you call it? On social media. That one of these popular musicians said that maybe that's God blessing the person. Your blessing has been cursed already. It's in the Bible. Go and read Malachi. God said, I will curse your blessing. If you call that in a blessing, you have collected the curse from God. When they told me who said it, I said, that guy, forget if I was singing gospel. I'm not guaranteed, I can't guarantee that he's saved. Look, many gospel musicians, they're not Christians. So. They can be there doing, Lord, we worship you. Let's raise our hands and worship the Lord. There are very few of them. In fact, there are very few I trust. Very, very few. Let me not mention any, because if I mention one now that I trust, you now know the ones I don't trust. <laughs> so let's leave that matter. Now, back to what I was going to say. Why did I do what I did? It's because I had compassion on somebody. Forget the fact that I was going to return the money. What I want to emphasize is the urgency with which I informed them. Is that urgency I'm going to emphasize? It's because compassion in me said, Kai, I know a man, I know there's a man or a woman who would not be able to close today. They're supposed to close by five or six. That fellow will be there, wondering. And if he can't solve it, he has to look for money from his own pocket or his colleagues to put it in and then come back tomorrow wondering where did one who, I can't remember the exact amount, that's why I can't tell you, but the whole bundle, where did one whole bundle go? The man who went away, oh, just by the way, that shot from the other one was born by the banker who made the mistake. And you eat such monies and you are not in distress. That is called having the spirit of this age or walking according to the flesh. Walking according to the spirit simply means I have the same attitude of Jesus Christ, which is basically one love for the father. And the love for the father is obedience to his word. And two, loving my neighbor as myself. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. As many as are prepared by that spirit of Christ in them. They are sons of God. Not as many as I hear that hear their spirit speak to them. Balaam heard the voice of God. So you hear your spirit, doesn't mean you are spiritual. Spirituality is not decided by what you heard. It's decided by the principles you operate by. Like I was saying earlier about walking by faith. 
It means that the word of God is a foundation for my decision making. It doesn't mean I'm irrational. I see many Christians say they move by the Spirit. I know what they mean. By the move by the Spirit. You can't rely on them. That's what they call moving by the Spirit. We'll see you tomorrow. Depends on what the Spirit says. I still remember one brother invited to come and preach. This was years ago. The day of the program. The program was supposed to be three days. First day, I was on campus that time. First day, he showed up. Second day, he sent a message to me that he has something else to do. So I went and met him. I said, okay, please, I don't understand. We have a program going on. We put your name. We've advertised you as our guest minister. You know what he said? Let him pray. So he sat down there and showed He was praying. I just sat like this, like, when you finish, you are coming for my meeting. All this is what you are doing. When he said he didn't get clearance in his spirit, I said, Oga, okay, you will get this clearance. I sat down. <laughs> hey, I told you. All this my spirit said, my spirit did not say. Let me just say to you, it doesn't impress me. It is your spirit, it's not God. And your spirit sometimes is high on codeine. <laughs> so don't just harass me. <laughs> is it my hey, Look, I don't argue with you, it's your spirit. But don't let it, don't even try to give me the impression that because it's your spirit, it's correct. Man like woman, say my spirit, say marry her. Don't worry. <laughs> You don't need your spirit to tell you that you already like the girl. Just go ahead. And there's not, you're not, you're not unspiritual. You're spiritual. Because that's what I did too. Was my spirit that said I should. <laughs> now my spirit pushed me. I'm not telling you it's God. It's my spirit. So don't come and harass me. When you say it's your spirit, I know it's your spirit. Don't even give me the impression of the spirit of God. What the Bible calls being led by the Spirit of God is what I'm describing to you. So if I see money, that money I said in the bag we're talking about, I will pick the bag too. Except when I open it, I'm looking for business cards, address, driver's license, something to identify the owner. And if I can't find the owner, I send message out these days on social media that a bag is missing contains a certain amount of money. If you think it's yours, call this number, ready to identify the content of the bag and the amount of money. It's simple. Why would I go through all of that trouble? Do unto others as you want them to do to you. It is simple. That commandment is the spirit of Christ. I hope I, I, hope I get my point here. It's the spirit of love. It's pushing me, it's pushing me to every, in everything that I do. Please, Christians, stop thinking that it is when I pray and my spirit speaks to me. That's what Paul is talking about, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. No, that's not what he's talking about. What is in that? What is pushing you in life? What spirit did we, do we have of Christ Jesus? He said that though he had equality with God, he did not count it something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, became obedient unto the point of death. That is the spirit of Christ. Obedience to the will of God for my life. 
even though it hurts me. And that's something Christians must understand these days. Please, let me digress again. Please throw away this gospel that says that God will bless you back one day. Please throw it away. What did I say? The last time I explained that faith does not mean that when I'm about to enter into the fiery furnace, I will say, God will deliver me. No. That's not what faith means. Faith means that if you say the alternative to being born is to bow to an idol, I will not bow. That's what faith is. That's why I'm saying all of these things. Because people have thought, because sometimes they serve God for a long time and God doesn't say to them. I heard a man say something once. It hurts me. It pains me. I started praying for him. Vibrant man of God. He said, I have served God for some time. Let me come and say to myself. I told one of my, well, a number of us, one of, uh, one of us, a minister, a gospel, a lady, one of the people we're talking with, a lady. I told my sisters. I said, my sister, bear it in mind. Ministry is death. That is when you agree to serve God, you give your whole life. There's no negotiation. It's not when I have done this, and then you will not do this back. No, it's I, you own me. If I need anything, I will beg you for it. If you don't grant it, too, too bad for me. I mean, <laughs> we all know your name. We lift you up all the time. If you do anything that feels good to our body, we will enjoy it. If we want it, we will ask you for it. But if we don't bring it, we will not deny you because of it. Our name is not Demas. I'm talking about the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of obedience even to the point of death. It's the spirit of obedience even unto death. Which means if God says, stay here and preach the gospel, and Enugu refuses to prosper. And somebody says, just get up and move across to Abuja. Start ministry there. In two years, you will buy a car. In three years, you build a house. In the fourth year, you have a second house. They will start calling you Papa. Church go big. That is, it is important that I'm found where he kept me when he comes. I'm not saying let me stay long enough. One day breakthrough will come. No, I'm not waiting for breakthrough. I'm just being obedient. If I want something from you, I will ask him. I'm not saying I won't ask. But there's no negotiation. I'm, I'm trying to describe the spirit of Christ. When the Bible says he was obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. Let's bear it in mind. Back to what I'm trying to say. You no, know, we began this by talking about what? Extraordinary what? Spirit. spirit. Yes. Let's not, no, I just need that to explain the meaning of the word spirit. Because sometimes we want, we'll go want to get the extraordinary spirit. So today, we're getting the extraordinary spirit. Everybody, it's a spirit of excellence. Let me lay hands on you. Receive extraordinary. Receive extraordinary. It doesn't work like that too. What do they mean by extraordinary spirit? This is what it means. Let's just put that political office as an example. When people are elevated... The first thing they think about is, wow, before I live here, at least I must be settled. Even Christians sit there and like, this is our time. The pastor doesn't understand why the man's tithe is not increasing. After all, he's now in power. Some people say that uh, somebody... Is an appointed minister, commissioner, special advisor, this and that. We'll be saying congratulations. Now, nothing wrong with congratulations, but what do you mean? What do you mean? Now, please follow extraordinary spirit. What was the Bible saying to us? That Daniel had a different spirit from the other people. What does that mean? He did not see his political office, which was what he had. He did not see it as a way 
to enrich himself. He did not see it as a way to settle scores. Did you notice that never were we told that Joseph said, where is that Potiphar safe? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because a natural person should ask. Call me General Potiphar. Come. Minister Potiphar, come. Come, sit down. That will be looking. Say, sir, you're angry with me. You know, sir, all of a sudden, go and bring Mrs. Potiphar. I want Mrs. Potiphar. You know the way they wear those days? It's not like now that we have some laws and civility. If you wanted Mrs. Potiphar, too bad for Mr. Potiphar. And I said, Mr. Potiphar, I didn't want your wife. If I want her, you know I can take her now. That was it. Yes, my Lord. I know. Yes, my Lord. <laughs> now, I'm making a point here. Joseph did not use his, politi- his office to settle his cause. His brother that sold him to slavery, when he saw them, his heart broke. He saw them. All he was doing was testing to see whether they had changed. I just get my point here. We're talking about an extraordinary spirit. It's not like, oh, when I wake up in the morning, my spirit starts bubbling. I start worshipping. Hallelujah. I find myself listening to the songs of uh, Nathaniel Bassi. I'm an is leading worship. We have got... No, that's not extraordinary spirit. Extraordinary spirit simply means when you are going to walk, what do you have in mind? Extraordinary spirit simply means they have never appointed you. God has arranged it. You are now a governor. What are your priorities? The extraordinary spirit, you see, don't think Daniel went out and said, hey, boys, you know we are Christians, we must not steal in political office. You know we are Christians, we must not be found negligent. No. Those things came to him because he had a different focus. I've said it many times, if you're a Christian, they appoint you into office. One of the best things, and I think every Christian should do it, should come and swear, yes, Okay, promise, if you don't like swear, before the brethren, whatever, I make a vow before the brethren. Say, my brethren, as I go into this office, you choose one of these, one of two. You can say, may I come back poorer than I am today? That's a very good one. That's the ultimate. That's the most spiritual. The second, if you can't do, if you can't do that one, just this other one. This one is good. All of you will agree with this. Say, any money in my pocket must be the one legitimately paid to me in the course of my duty. That is, you will see the transaction. Government has collected its tax on it. I will, everything there. You say, I will not drink wine given to me. I'm, I'm not kidding about that. So what if they bring wine? Let them bring it to the office. They will pop it there. All of us will drink it together, including the man that brought it. Say so if they give me goat, we will slaughter it in the office. And everybody in Asurok will share the goat. No, I'm serious. Everybody is in that goat. It's, it's political office we're talking about. So what about cow? Good. We will have an abattoir in government house. As you bring the, you know, let's, let's still be as if we are, we are fighting. We are not fighting. PDP lobbies, put your cow there. APC lobbies, your cow there. There every Friday, the whole community will come for a cow sharing. And we'll call those who donated the cow, say this is Chief Ajale Koku, he brought this cow. But all of you, as you are bringing the cow, you know, say this guy, not, that is, <laughs> he's not taking it from you, he's not taking it anywhere. I will stand to gain nothing personally. That is what they call extraordinary spirit. That is what is called extraordinary spirit. It is what is pushing you. What are you looking for? Look at this ministry matter. Sometimes my wife and I would just talk. I said, you know, before I used to think, when people would hang around you, talk with you those days, I thought everybody was looking for what I was looking for in ministry. For me, I thought, I mean, ministry is about making Christ known. 
I couldn't have understood. When they say pastors are calling over members, I used to wonder, how do you call over members? Did you die for anybody? You know, like, the, the way I saw it, you know, there's one thing Bishop Eko used to say those days. He said he used to say to people that, please, so if there's any place that we have been blessed more than here, please, the doors are open, file, that, file out there. You know, they said, I won't be angry. Please, file out. In fact, he used to say something. <laughs> he said there's a particular pastor when he went in Kaduna that his wife used to come to their church. And they have another church. They have service. The woman will sneak. So sometimes he was at night, he's studying. The wife said, ah, my husband, you're still studying. Why are you not sleeping? Ah, ah, ah. He said, if I sleep, you will start going to another church. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I don't want to hear you are going to another church. So because of you, let me study. Do you get my point? That is, he said, look, the way he of course, which, which is my attitude. The way I saw it, okay, is that ministry is about what? Reaching people with the word of God. For that, ministry is about promotion, car gifts, we are building a house, the young men have taken over the foundation, the older men have taken over the decking, and the women have taken over the roofing. And they say, it's, it's Papa's house. It goes as I, as I, I say, ah, wait, this is the objective? As I see ministers jumping up and down, why are they being invited from one church to the other? They know how to raise money. Ah, when I began to encounter these things, they were surprising to me. When I was on campus, my fellowship had no affiliation, really. Let me not go into the details. So we, were only, we only gathered because there was the word of God. So we graduated from school not knowing that there was a political career in ministry. No, honestly, I left school not knowing there was a political career in ministry. I thought ministry was carry the Bible and preach. I served, when I was doing my house job, the church I worked, I worked there with all my heart. It was just an opportunity to, you know, do you know, I read the scripts, I prepared them years ago. I read, I read those scripts I prepared for them that time, years after. Do you know, I was amazed at the kind of revelation inside them, which means I was not even the one that wrote them. I don't know whether you get my point. I wrote them down. No, that was job pastor gave me. Prepare Bible study scripts and all of that. They converted into like manuals. They were using the school and in the church for Sunday school years later. So one day I came, I saw it. Ah, you guys are still using this thing. And that's when I began to read. Ah, then I was being blessed. But I was the one that wrote those things. I didn't think of promotion. I didn't think of anything. So it was a surprise to me when I saw people doing ministry for other reasons. Show, display what they call loyalty for promotion. One day, one of our brothers, you know who I'm talking about, where he used to, the ministry was involved in one day, a guy called him, said, the way you are behaving, it looks like you don't want to rise in this ministry. And they like, don't you want to rise? What do they call rising? Anyway. Please, I'm talking about what? The extraordinary spirit. Listen, the things that were found in Daniel is available to every Christian that will go out with that extraordinary spirit. What I'm preaching today, you know, we're talking about the, 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 the cultures of faith is important. People should know you are not money-minded. Not because you are trying to show it off, but because you are not. Extraordinary spirit. They are jostling for promotion in the office. You must never be found doing it. You must never be found high service because God wants to promote me. No. That's what they call extraordinary spirit. Why do I honor my boss? Because I give honor to whom honor is due. 
I give honor to whom honor is due. Do you know many preachers have ruined themselves, wrecked their ministries, and literally killed themselves because an older prophet held their promotion, they thought, in their hands. So they will disobey God to please a man. And listen to me. Young prophets, that's one major killer of young prophets. Many young prophets die, that is, they die. They know what our guy is saying is not true. But they will carry it and be preaching it, put it on their shoulders. One day I called one brother that I found doing things like that. I said, come. He came to see me. I said, when you are dead, you'll be replaced. I told him like that. I said, pastors like people like you. Do all the dirty jobs. God will kill you. Then you'll find somebody else. Don't think anybody will miss you. You better go and settle down on the word of God and tell the truth. And stop using the platform of God to deceive people because you want to collect an offering. Let's talk about the extraordinary spirit. As I as an example, as a businessman, you know, listen, there are things you read your scriptures. People will just know that. Listen, you know, God was called the fear of Isaac. The prince said, why was he called the fear of Isaac? He said people detected in his work that he feared somebody. So that's why it was called the fear of Isaac. What happened to Abraham? Look, this is important. I, want, I feel like saying this. What happened to Abraham? They told Abraham, the king of Sodom, said, take all the goods. Let me have the men back. Why did he give the king of Sodom back everything apart from what his men are taking and what he had given to Melchizedek? Listen to this. He said, because I know that my blessing comes from God. And I don't want you to ever open your mouth and say what? I made Abraham rich. So he left everything. Listen, that was a businessman who just lost money. I don't know whether you get that. He just lost money there. You can't say you have faith, you are a Christian, yet you are known that, ah, if it's one night I miss, nobody goes sleep. It's a bad testimony. You are not trusting God for prosperity. Ajilotono said it happened. That a Christian decided to cheat him, a member of his church. It's in his book, Mover of Men and Mountains. They had a joint venture. He used his relatives because it made life easier for him. If they have financial pressure, they will understand. They could balance things together. That man said to him that no, it's because your relatives are working on this our joint venture. That's why it's not moving well. So he removed them. And God provided another job for him at that time. He sent them over there. Go and be doing that other job. Let's assume in Oka. Let me stay with this man in Enugu. So they hired other people. By the time they finished that job, they didn't make any money. If they managed to break even, that was the best they could achieve. But by the time he finished the other job going on in Oka, he made a lot of money. And this brother with which they did that joint venture now came to him and said, we did not make money here because you took our staff and carried them to your job in Oka. The man looked at him and said, what? He said, listen, we're in business together at that period, so whatever money you made in the Oka business, I deserve half of it, and I demand half of it. Lutuno looked at him like, that's supposed to be a joke. Like I said, if you don't give me the money, I will sue. He said, fine, sue. We'll meet in court. He said, as he left, the Holy Spirit said to him, give him the money. No, there are things that you, your, your heart will say, you know, it cannot be you. It's not your spirit. Your spirit cannot even say such things. <laughs> because your spirit is on your side. 
<laughs> said that had to be the Holy Spirit. What? In his heart, he just had give him the money. How can I give this only my money? Onyoshi. But the Holy Spirit has said it. Give him the money. And listen, this is money that that guy cannot verify how much he made. But by himself, he went to the man, showed the man the books. Let's talk in Naira terms. My prophet at the end of the day came to 5 million Naira. You want 2.5? The guy said yes. You to know, wrote him a check for 2.5 million Naira. And listen, may God not punish you in Jesus' name. Say amen, I pray. There are certain monies they don't collect. When they give you that kind of money, you look at the money. Ah, you will tell your flesh. You will not kill me before my time. <laughs> Do you know this man collected the money? And within two years, he was totally wiped out of business. And Lutuno kept on growing stronger. That's how come I was reading his story. One day, my brother, my brother in the U.S., you know, my very good friend, he sent me a picture. He said, hey, I just passed in front of your friend's university. I said, I didn't even know how the university. So he stopped and took a picture of Lutuno University, I think in Texas. And he sent me a picture. He said, hey, your guy's university. He's gone physically. He's dead. But his name is still there, waxing stronger. I'm talking about the right spirit. Why did he do that? It is simply because he had the right spirit, a spirit of obedience even unto death. It's not everything you fight over. That's what they call having the right spirit. Right spirit is not, oh, I know how to worship. No. It's what am I pursuing? What, am, what point am I trying to make? I've seen many people, their problem is pride. I am better than other people. That's the wrong spirit. See, know the meaning of as many as being led by the spirit of God. That that spirit of God in Christ is the spirit of humility. Like I said to business people, it's not every business you hustle for. If God gave you everything, what would the rest of us eat? No, no, that's how I reason. I always say opportunity comes but once. It's not the gospel of the man that is blessed. Blessings are commanded. If I miss this one, it is because God wants somebody else to eat. If every customer comes to my shop, that everybody else in the market should close down and they should not be collecting tithes and offering, I mean, no, uh, charity money from me. There are things you do as a believer. People just know you trust God. A single door of opportunity is open for promotion. You are four in the office qualified. You are the first to hear. And you call the other three. Have you heard promotion? Appraiser is open. Have you collected your form? Okay, I've downloaded the form. Where do I keep your own for you? The person will be wondering, oh, is there something else that's going on? Because he will have thought that you should keep it to yourself. If you keep it to yourself, you are not trusting God. Those who trust God, they share it to everybody. Say, listen, if one million people want that promotion, if it is mine, it will come to me. And if it goes to somebody else and you don't get it, it does not mean you don't have faith. It just means it's not yours. That's what they call an extraordinary spirit. Please, let's get it clear. What do they mean by extraordinary spirit? When everybody's hustling, wait, which ministry bubbles the most? I remember one senator in Nigeria at that time. They made him senator, a minister of state for environment or something because he's from Niger Delta. He entered the portfolio and moved back to the Senate. Why? He said, after all, he delivered his constituency to President Obasanjo. So why should they give him such a small portfolio? Make a long story short, he was not there to serve. So he rejected it. 
We're talking about extraordinary spirit. One of our brothers said that the, you know, is, 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 was appointed. The governor, he was surprised that, you know, he thought that the appointment was set to a political, how do you call it now? Godfather. Who recommended his brother for appointment. So as time was going on, he saw the way the young man was walking. So he said to him that, wait, wait, come. This guy looks like you are serious. <laughs> and I was like, ah, Your Excellency, we came here, this is our state. We came here to work. So one day I was in Abuja. And he said that the, the governor called a meeting. That went together in Abuja. He said the governor called a meeting of all senior special assistants. That he already has a meeting in Abuja. A prayer meeting. He and a few of his friends. And one of them comes from outside town. So they just got the message from the chief of staff. So I asked him, did the, did the governor send you the message himself or the chief of staff sent it? He said the chief of staff. Because he was in a dilemma. What do I do? So finally, after we talked, I said, no. Just explain later when you see the governor or the, SS, or the chief of staff why you didn't come. Just explain that the meeting came and everything. Make a long story short. I don't know whether it was the governor he saw later. Or the governor just called him and said, oh, well, did you come for that meeting that I called for the SSS? He said, Excellency, no. He said, good. It was not for people like you. It's for all these jobless boys. The governor told him, said, oh, I, I, did, I wasn't expecting you. It's for all these boys who are not doing anything. He said, you, what you are doing, continue doing it. So he called me and said, ah, okay, I see what happened, though. Thank God I didn't go. Because we were in Abuja together, we were in He said, how would the governor call a meeting? And you won't be there. The governor told him, said, look, I wasn't expecting you. It's for all these boys that I just gave appointment. They came to collect money. He said, but, but watching you, I've seen you didn't come here to collect money. You're up and down every day, trying to pull things into the state so we can develop. When I call meetings like that, I don't expect you there. Go back to where you're coming from and be working and be promoting us. That is what they call an extraordinary spirit. Not that when I'm walking, good morning, sir. That's not the meaning. No, that's not the meaning of extraordinary spirit. It means the reason why I'm looking for political office is not why everybody else is looking for it. They come there to get rich. I come there to serve. Even when I lose money in the process. That is more important to me that I glorify God. Listen, let me tell you something. Sometimes we are pursuing methods when we have a wrong spirit. Please, we get to our website. Search out for this sermon I wrote some time ago. Titled, Don't Be Without the Spirit. I just remembered it now. It's called Don't Be Without the Spirit. I wrote this a few years ago. I think on that sermon, Don't Be Without the Spirit. In that, you know, you know what I tell you explain that sermon? What happened that day, that day was I was watching the dog whisperer. You know, how many of you do the dog whisperer? Caesar Milan. Yes, he's on T, you know. The man can tame any dog. They call him in. Any, that is, he's a, he's a dog wizard. No matter how crazy the dog is, he will just walk in and handle the dog. So one day, in this book, What the Dog Saw by Malcolm Gladwell, yeah, it wasn't TV I was watching, it was in the book, What the Dog Saw, that Malcolm Gladwell was analyzing the motions of Caesar Milan, how he steps, how he motions to the dog, how he calls the dog, his tone of voice and everything. 
Then as I was reading it, I, something hit me. And you know what that was? Caesar Milan does not know he's doing all of these things. I don't know whether you got what I said there. They say when he goes in, he puts his foot forward. He has confidence. He has poise. He has this. He has that. The dogs immediately notice. I said, you know what? Caesar Milan does not know he's doing all of these things. He just walks in and does his dog thing. What does that tell you? He has something in him that people want to copy by actions. That's I wrote. That's the foundation of that article I wrote. Don't be without the spirit. I'm going to say something here. Many Christians are trying to do right, yet they don't have the right spirit. They want the right motions. They want to get to the office and say, I'm a Christian. Here we should be praying. But God is looking at them and say, oh boy, when they gave you this appointment, the first thing that came to your mind is that my opportunity to build my own house. Pray from now till tomorrow. Your wrong spirit will show one day. You know, a few days ago, was it, was it yesterday, something hit me. It had to do with what I call worship and sex control, you know? Now, that expression, so I, I twisted self-control, okay? I was, there's a book I, which I've not published till today, which I wrote in my mind, half written in the book, papers, you know, just been there. And I feel like telling every preacher, if I have the opportunity to talk to them, if you love money, you will commit adultery. You can't help it. I hear preachers say, okay, you know, scandals of all sorts amongst preachers. I have only one thing. Go and tell every preacher that, that Pastor Banky said, if you love money, you will. Not, not you may. You shall. <laughs> Listen, it's a spiritual thing. Go and read your Bible. When people go after other gods, they always end up committing adultery. Listen, that's how it works. And number one God that we preachers go after, apart from Jesus, is money. You know, when I said it now, I just connected with something I told you here before. The story that one pastor told me about a man who was supposed to be a preacher, but he needed power. And when Jesus wouldn't give it to him, he went to Ghana to collect it. That's where they go. I know what that power is. Just word of knowledge. So I sit down right here. There's 5,250 in your left pocket, and there's 1.6 million in your account. And the Lord said, lay it on the altar. By the time I get that, the one in your left pocket and the one in your account, and I say it's for your life, you will bring it up. Yeah, you bring it. It's for your life. That's what they say. This offering is for your life. You are going to plant it and say, God, I will not die. Who won't die? <laughs> Nobody will plant it. You need to have an obojo of the spirit not to answer him. This man did that. And he made a lot of money. Maybe built a house. Last meeting he traveled to Abuja to go and came back with three cars. One meeting. One. There's one thing he came with he says. He said, oh God, money day ministry. Now they say you go die. <laughs> say if you don't mind the die part, you will get the money. Now just say God will all kill you one day. And not the devil, though. All this one, I said, and devil, devil, God kills people. Jesus said that I kill people. I'm about to put that woman on the bed of affliction. I will strike her children dead. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus is not as nice as we want to make him look. Jesus, that people saw, they said it's better for us to jump into the volcano. This man I was telling you about, the person told me the story, said that 
any day after he finishes preaching, an irresistible urge to go to bed with a prostitute comes upon him. He can never help it. He always spends the night in the hands of the harlot. You know, we, God has helped us with some understanding. And understand that that is the same spirit. No, the spirit has to be fed. It can't eat your money. That's what it's taking. It, no, you must understand. The Bible said the adulterer haunts precious life. What's happening? His life is being sucked out of him bit by bit. If he doesn't repent one day, he will just die. Why did he become a homemonger? It's simple. The love of money. That is the meaning of extraordinary spirit, my people. Let me say to you again. Paul said those who want to be rich in this life, they are looking for trouble. That's the summary. Should you want to be rich in this life? No. The answer is no. You want to serve God. You want to obey Him. Do everything that's pleasing to Him. That should be the primary thing in your heart. Stop running up and down because of every little promotion. Every little increase in salary. You have changed cities. Every foreign country looking for people that come and work for them. You have filled their their forms, their immigration papers. Why? You don't realize that you were born for a purpose. You know what Paul said? None of these things move me. Neither do I count my life as dear unto myself. Why? He said, because God called me for a reason, and I need to fulfill that. So any obstruction, too bad, I climb over it. That's the right spirit. That is what the Bible calls extraordinary spirit. Believers, as we move about in the world, the secular world, we get into political office. We get into of, you know, business offices. We get promoted in our offices. Let, you know, there's how Paul said it. How did Paul say it again? Let your something be known to all man. That's the way he said it. Forbearance, thank you. Let your forbearance be known to all men. Let it be clear to yourself and to everybody. You are not amongst those who are looking for every opportunity to convert it to cash. That's why, if they say, then when you go for the meeting, bring us the receipt of the hotel you slept in. Then the company will refund you. If you want a receipt, sleep there. If you sleep in your friend's house, don't beg for a receipt. You say, eh, but there's no but in it. So people have asked me those kind of questions. I said, there's no trouble. Go to your boss and say, sir, this is a fake receipt. I did not. If you can't do that, it's a sin. Let's leave it like that. You know, we start rationalizing. Hey, the money is my own. I inconvenience myself. That All of this is story. Go to your boss. Say, good afternoon, sir. That money is my own. I inconvenience. Me. If you can't say that, bro, go back to your house. That company is not your God. That little extra money will not, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Let people think you are crazy. You are close to salvation when they make up their minds you are, you are crazy. That is when your salvation is close. When people are angry with you, they say, okay, I'm not going to with this guy. Why? They know that if you enter, you know, Paje don't spoil. There's no Paje in this business. You know that's what happened today to, to Daniel. The man was managing his sector. There were three commissioners. They said there's no problem. He's a Jew man. Doesn't want to build a house. I have children going to foreign universities. So I need my money. So they were cutting the government. But the segment that Daniel was heading was prospering so much 
Darius said, let's Kuku promote him. Let's replace him with another commissioner. Let the three commissioners answer to him. He will now be in charge of the whole kingdom. The boy said, yeah, in which country? No, 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 no. That was, they said, no, we're not doing business with Danny. Never. Why? They knew his spirit. Look, listen. There was nothing spiritual. It was about money. It was all about money. It was all about money. You are close to salvation. Listen, you, so there are times you enter the lion's den. No? Amen? Yeah. I'm not here to scare you. If I have a good word from the Lord for you, this time around, take these words with you. When you are about to enter the lion's den, smile. They will not bite you. Amen. This one I'm telling you. L- listen, listen. You know, there are times they say, look, yeah, don't worry, you can't burn. This one you will not burn. I'm the one telling you. That lion will never bite you. If you attack anything with your spirit, the spirit of God, let them plan anything they want to plan. I say to you on that God, the lions will not devour you. And listen to me, especially for a country like this in this season, any Christian that will rise up like Daniel, move into public office with extraordinary spirit, and do what is right, and people conspire against them, this is the word of the Lord. Every conspirator will die in the lion's den. Say amen to that. Say amen to it. Amen. They will, they will, they will, they will. The reason why God has not been roasting people in the lion's den is that there's been next to no Daniels entering those offices. Next to no Daniels. Let's bow down our heads and give the Lord thanks. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the word that you blessed us with. Thank you for the spirit of Christ that dwelling inside us. Thank you for the excellent spirit that we have. Thank you, Lord, for the extraordinary spirit that we have. We receive it from you in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I, I bless your people with your blessing again today. I declare upon you all the Lord bless you. Amen. The Lord will keep you. Amen. The Lord will make his, his face shine upon you. Amen. He will be gracious unto you. Amen. The Lord will lift up his countenance upon you. Amen. And he will give you peace. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is well with you you're going out Amen. and in your coming in. Amen. It is well with you you're going out Amen. and in your coming in. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. No plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This week, whatever you put your hands to do will prosper. Amen. Whatever you put your hands to do, it will prosper. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You will be a shining light wherever you go. Amen. You will, your life will reflect the glory of God. Amen. People will see you and say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Amen. Let's go and learn of his ways. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If anybody is sick, I rebuke that sickness. Amen. I command health to cover you, Amen. to enter you. As Jesus hung up on the cross, it was for your sake. Your sickness were nailed to his cross. When he rose up again from the dead, it's a sign that you are healed. I declare upon you, therefore, you are healed in the name of Jesus Christ. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Whatever organ is not functioning in your body, I speak to it now. Receive life in the name of Jesus. I declare to you that in you, life is working. I declare to you that in you, life is working. I declare to you that life is working Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.